Um, you can keep up with us on Twitter at UNCH Podcast. Um, my personal account is Ellison underscore 712, and Braden's is Love Shack YT. Um, so I think we're going to get into the Game of the Year award nominees first, but I just want to check in with Braden and see what he's been up to. First of all, uh, thanks to Roy for the follow and or sub. I, uh, sub, thanks for the sub. Appreciate that. Uh, hello, everyone, and happy to be here. It's been a bit. We missed a week. Um, the plan was to do a show last week. Things got a little bit chaotic. Our schedules didn't match up, and we didn't want to put out a show that was, like, rushed or make anyone have to rush or go through, because at the end of the day, we do this for fun. So, like, we skipped a week, but we're back, and, uh, one of the things that, like, I'm excited to just, like, be back and talk about and get into some stuff, but, like, I have to, like, I tweeted this out earlier. Our last episode got 5,000 downloads, which is astronomically huge to put it into perspective for like a podcast our average downloads for an episode are like 50 so we saw a over the lifetime of the show since we started we saw a 250,000 percent increase in a week and we had people from everywhere across the globe including china denmark germany literally i think vietnam south korea like anywhere you look not to go all full house we had people that had downloaded the show. So that is insane to me. And on the off chance anyone is watching that, like, found out about us that way or anything, um, thanks for checking it out. Um, I know it wasn't, like, our most refined episode ever, which I thought was kind of funny because we were just kind of loosely talking. And I said, of course, that's the one that goes viral, not, like, one of the ones, you know, not mini viral, whatever you want to call it. But, um, you know, that is huge, and so if people are listening to this now after, you know, checking out the podcast and everything else, um, let's say on Spotify or what have you, thank you. And, you know, if even a few of you who listened enjoyed it and want to stick around, we are, like Nicole said, we are live on Twitch Wednesday nights for the most part, occasionally different days, and uh, cover a lot of topics. But, of course, that was just humbling and kind of insane, and, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know if it was just a magic timing with God of War coming out, and we tackled the topic at the right time but that um that's genuinely insane so thank you to everyone thank you to lord richafa for the follow as well um but yeah so i mean it's going to be really interesting to see next week how this episode does and whether or not we're able to keep any of those people or what happened but uh for us and for the show numbers like that are insane i mean they consider successful numbers for podcasts to be like three to four hundred downloads or whatever per episode not five thousand so yeah i just just wanted to like acknowledge it and sort of thank everyone who listened and who checked it out and um yeah that's not something that we expect every week but it, it was it was definitely humbling and um i will say uh i didn't tell nicole this yet because i was just looking at it before the show but we're you know with the podcast and everything we do have like potential sponsorship opportunities we've talked about it a little bit in the past but we kind of wanted to like establish ourselves before we started really exploring any of that. We never want to do any kind of content that's like burdening you guys or like interrupting the show or whatever. Um, but I did get reached out to about a uh, potential sponsorship opportunity for uh, Jesus doll plushies just in time for Christmas. Um, and I just feel like it's important that we take the 30 seconds here to read the description uh, for what they sent us. Um, so it is the Talking Jesus doll. And uh, they, this campaign I don't think would work for us anyway. It's not sure it's our target audience, but it says, Our customer is activist Christian parents and grandparents that want their child to know Jesus and prioritize that over everything else. Our product is the Talking Jesus Doll, a beautiful plush Jesus doll that talks, which makes sense based on the name, of course. 
When you squeeze his hand, he speaks of ten Jesus phrases direct from the Bible, from the Lord's Prayer to John 3.16. We made the doll to make the love and lessons tangible to young children. Kids are attracted to his warm, loving smile. They want to hug the soft doll and push his hand to make him talk. The best part is they are leaning, learning the Bible verses that will last them a lifetime. And they are offering a guest interview sponsorship with a budget of up to $5,000. And while I must say that's, that's leaving money on the table, and I do think it would be comedy gold to have the creators of the Talking Jesus doll on the show, I just think that may open a can of worms. But I had to just make sure that other people heard that description in the same capacity um, because that's real. So we did a great get that. question though. She she asked if there's holes in the hands. And Are feet. there holes in in the hands and feet? I'm not sure. We haven't nailed down the details yet. Um, but oh, I'll let you know once God. we get there. So, uh, what I don't know what's wrong, but okay. Uh, where's the Uncharted Horizon merch? Uh, Roy says. So I have a one of a kind Uncharted Horizon shirt um, that I can't, we could not sell because it has um, the official font and i think sony has it i think it might be fine but you know we'll look into it um yeah <laughs> i uh i think it's distinct enough it, it might be distinct enough and honestly i said this when i first got it it's honestly one of those comfortable shirts i own like with the baseball style sleeves but we've talked about it and if there was enough interest and we had the growth to kind of go along with it um there is a website essentially i forget what it's called but basically we could make the designs and then if people wanted to buy them they could and once 10 people bought them then they would make them and send them out so basically like a minimum of 10 people would have to buy and then they send them out so it's kind of cool um for that purpose because it's not like we'd have to like order 100 and then sell them all individually it's basically like made to demand um but you know we've got some some pretty cool uh things sort of in the works as far as ideas and whatnot go um, but again, we just didn't want to shove anything on anyone yet, but you know, we keep getting 5,000 followers per episode. We may have to explore the possibility of merch sooner than we had, uh, had a tickle me Jesus. Tickle me Jesus. I don't think that's what that was called. I just didn't like the wording being like, Oh, it's tickle me Elmo. I mean, that, that works for kids, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah, but I don't like that. They said kids are attracted to, uh, see, May said I want a beanie. And that's, I, we were literally talking about that before we went live. I was like, if I make merch, it's going to be a beanie. I feel like. I don't intentionally end up wearing a beanie for the show, but it happens, I think, 99% of the time. I would totally rock an Uncharted Horizon I think we could do one with just the logo, with, like, the logo that we use in the actual graphic. or like That should be fine. They can't come after us for that. I made a design for a Skyrim shirt that said, I'd rather play Skyrim, but it was over Minecraft, and it was a... um, I still have the design somewhere. It's, like, saved because of our discussion in the first one, and I liked that one. Um, I thought that would be kind of funny, too. Uh, just to quickly acknowledge the comments before we move on here to sort of our, our opening thoughts and everything. Um, uh, May said, uh, Brian said, May, you can have an iPad or a beanie. And so we have to kind of call this to attention because we don't often tackle serious, sort of shocking, world-important topics on the show here. Um, but as you know, May, who's one of our you know sort of devoted followers, has been with us since day one, um, has been wanting an iPad for a while, you know, hardworking probably, uh, does plenty of stuff, just wants an iPad to be able to use her stuff, you know. Uh, significant other is a successful streamer and, uh, you know, has given some pushback on that. And then we found out today that uh, purchased himself a brand new iPhone but still did not get her an iPad. So, you know, just the injustice part of this whole thing, May, we, do we do stand with you? On behalf of the show, we, do stand, we stand um, May and, and we stand with her. Yeah, I do. I do think that that's really unfortunate that that's happening to you. Um, and you know, just just stay strong. I think you'll you'll find a way to make it work. Um, but 
it's, it's unfortunate. Hashtag, you know, but the I needs to be lowercase so it plays into the whole iPad thing. Mm. Um, yeah, no, I mean, so that's, you know, Isaac, just it's kind of a, a bad look on your part, but, you know, you do what you can. Um, all right, so uh, all jokes aside, let's actually jump into the show. Um, we, you know, obviously right. a lot to, to catch up on and talk about. It's been a little bit, but uh, opening thoughts, anything on your mind kind of you want to talk about? No, I mean, I'll save it for the show. Most of the stuff I'd want to bring up is our show topics. So. Okay, fair enough. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't really have anything inherently that I'm, I'm like pressing to talk about at this point. Um, other than to say, I've been playing a lot of Fortnite. It's very fun. Some of the updates have been good. Still pushing for Nicole to hopefully download that at some point. Um, it's, I downloaded. I it's, just have more important things to the play, update. like God of War Ragnarok. The, hey, yo, that's true. And we'll get to God of War Ragnarok and your thoughts on it and everything uh, in a little bit here on the show. But um, between that and, yeah, as you guys can see, I've started decorating for Christmas. Um, not, not, you know, crazy ham yet, but I got some Christmas set up in the background here with the tree and with, you know, all kinds of stuff and uh, in preparation of that. And next week's show will actually end up being a... Uh, Thanksgiving themed show more than likely at least on that week because that's where we're going to fall so something along the lines of like maybe what we're what we're thankful for in gaming and things of that nature could be fun as well as the best Thanksgiving dinner food items because I feel like that's an important topic that not enough people talk about um, but that's on the plan I have a sexy Santa on my fireplace May said I didn't, hey. I didn't know Isaac was able to sit Christ up there like, alright well um, but yeah, so Thanksgiving show next week. Um, obviously not on Thanksgiving, but hopefully it'll be the same um, same day. But uh, it's crazy that the November's already half over. Um, the way that goes. But yep, I put my Christmas tree up. Well, I've had it up, and then I finished like fluffing it to make it look not terrible yesterday. <laughs> so now it looks great. I did get a new uh, Christmas mug. Um, no, I love it. And it's a little snowman guy. He holds all my stuff. And uh, that's and my desk is not really adorned with Christmas, but the rest of the room is. So there's definitely some some vibes going on here. And I heard that Wendy's has a uh, peppermint frosty, which I definitely mm. have to try, and we'll report back on in the future. So, all right. Uh, so let's let's move in then, just to get, kind of get the show show rolling, get the the ball on the road, if you will. Is that the saying? Um, sure. Into our ask the host segment, and Nicole, I'm going to go ahead and give you the floor here for your question first. Sure. Out of the games that weren't nominated for Game of the Year, what would you want to have made the cut? That is a good question. Allow me just a half second to re-pull up the, the list of Game of the Year stuff so that I can make yeah, I can sure. read through them quick. Too. Yeah, read We're through them. Why don't you do that? Because we are going to talk about them after this segment. So go ahead and read yeah. them out for me. Yep. So nominated for Game of the Year for 2022, we have A Plague Tale Requiem, Elden Ring, God of War Ragnarok, Horizon Forbidden West, Stray, and Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Okay. So. Which I feel like your game of the year is in this list, but if there is like something is. And you and want, and in, please put the nomination. In full transparency, I have not played every game on the list, which is why mm -hmm. we sort of agreed that it'd be best to do a sort of just kind of like a prediction, sort of like loose discussion on what's there versus like going through every category because we haven't really played all of them and we, we kind of did that... Uh, kind of did that with our, our initial episode and it was hard to formulate opinions on things we hadn't played um i would say that what, what's the cutoff period so is it like last december through through now i don't even know if it gets into december um oh last december right yeah, sorry i thought you meant like this december i was like no i'm trying to think off the top. i don't know if the, the, i'm sure there's an exact date but 
Like, I'm surprised I didn't see Pokemon Legends Arceus more in the nominees because that was this year, even though it seemed so far away. It was, like, mid-January or maybe early January, mm -hmm. um, which I think it did make one of the, the lists, but I was surprised to not see it in more of the categories. Yeah, I mean, to yeah. be honest... Ryan said, like, last December to, like, mid-November. Oh, okay, so that, that makes sense. And honestly, I, like... Just looking at the list of games that came out within the eligible categories, I now I haven't really played too much that released this year, with it, with a few exceptions, and uh, it's kind of hard to pick one there. But I mean, I Elden Ring would really be where I kind of gravitate towards as a whole. I think that's probably the right choice. Um, mm. And you know, there's a lot of stuff coming out. I'm looking forward to, but no, I don't really think there's anything that I would nominate. Just because I, I haven't played a lot of the new stuff this year, you could make an argument for Pokemon Legends Arceus being in nomination, but, I mean, it was kind of glitchy and, graphically speaking, not really, like, the yeah, Let me rephrase the question. Having just beaten God of War 2018, do you yeah. think it deserved the Game of the Year award that it won for its year? So... What else came out in 2018? That's a good question, too. Uh, 2018 was a big, bigger year for gaming, I think. Um, God of War 2018. Uh, so, this is live editing. Um, I believe it was Celeste, Monster Hunter World, God of War, Red Dead Redemption 2, Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Oh, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. That would likely be uh, the only thing that, that I think could give it. Yes, it was. It was not nominated. It was one of those weird timing oh, ones. Yeah, I thought you meant like oh, so well then okay. So for, no, I'm saying like now that you've finished God of War, do you think it? Yeah, I was just kind of doing a quick little. Like I was doing a quick little glance over everything else that came out in 2018 so that I could like make that statement. Yeah, I mean, that was some... one of the ones where it's the weird scenario where it either came out too late mm -hmm. and it didn't make the cut for that year, or it. it was like, I don't know, I remember it not being in the conversation of when you thought it would have been, and then it kind of got, like, fucked. Because yeah, I mean, Monster Hunter World, Super Smash Bros., I think Red Dead Redemption 2 was kind of lackluster, lame isn't the right word, but it just didn't really hold my interest, I thought it was way too open world. Um, yeah, I think I think that's fair to say, I do think it deserves its slot. I mean, you did have Spider-Man that came out in 2018 as well, um, PS4 Spider-Man, as well as, you know, Shadow of the Tomb Raider. Uh, among other games. So, you know, I mean, there's a lot of good games. 2018 was definitely a better year for gaming in terms of things that were released than this year is, I think, to this point. Um, but also, we just it just feels like there haven't been a lot of big name or big title releases in, in 2022. I don't know what the reasoning is for that, if it's just like a transition. I mean, there's been a couple, but to kind of call them all. May said, honestly, Goat Simulator slap. No, I mean, Goat Simulator wasn't bad. Um, but you know, game of the year. No, I mean, yeah, I guess that's fair. I think it deserves it. I think it's probably, you know, I think it was, it, in retrospect, like, looking at it as the best game of all time, I mean, after playing through the game and, and kind of finishing it, um, is it the best game of all time? Probably not. Maybe not. But, you know, it's, it's recency bias. It's comparing things. It's really hard to definitively sort of, sort of put that there. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think it does deserve the spot for sure. Okay. Alright, here's my question for you. Um, what game releasing in 2023 are you most looking forward to? And what's a, what's a day one purchase game for you? Um, I almost said Horizon. I think you can buy that now. <laughs> I'm trying to blank on the name of this fucking game. Hogwarts. 
Is forbidden in the title? Am I making that up? No, Hogwarts Legacy is uh is the Hogwarts the Legacy Potter. is that it? That's, That's just the Harry the title. Potter game, yeah. Yeah, okay. That one, probably. Um, as far as like confirmed, hard confirmed we're getting twenty twenty three because we're supposedly getting Spider Man two next year. Mm-hmm. Which I would probably say it's that, but for like hard confirmed date that we're definitely getting is her I- Hogwarts Legacy, <laughs> which I tweeted about this the other day. Uh, realistically, you would think I would say Starfield's my most anticipated game because why wouldn't it be? But I have not been super impressed by what they showed from Starfield so far, and I've been very impressed by what they showed from Hogwarts Legacy so far. They did another video the other day that I didn't even actually watch all the way through showing their character creator and just like a more in-depth look and they've put like a lot of care into this game um it's a game that i never thought we were gonna get i feel like everyone's dream is to have their fandom whatever it may be and then have it have like an rpg game that you can like be a character in and experience so the fact that they're actually making this game and like doing it probably the best way that they could as far as like you get to be a student you get to do magic you get to ride a broom get to go to the common rooms it's like i have like the oh, harry the potter experience rooms. i know but it's just like it's just so many little things you, you you wouldn't need to include in a harry potter game to call it one but they are um but yeah that's that's quite exciting um starfield i'm still re- excited for just because i've liked all of bethesda stuff and i'm sure that like the main campaign and like the main side stuff's going to be really good um but i think we're too far from that for them to have shown us enough to be like that's what I'm most excited for. Okay, and I do just have to call you out very briefly, jokingly of course, but Isaac and I talked about this with you on the show when we went over Starfield, and, and our our points were that the game did look like they were trying to be a little bit too too padding to be like look at all the stuff we have and like not enough. That's about, not what like, I'm not content. excited for. I just said what they've shown isn't enough for me to be more excited about that than. So are you still optimistic then that they might end up showing more later kind I mean, of thing? No, they don't need to show us any of their game before it comes out. It's a smart marketing idea that they should, but there's been games that have dropped that we've heard nothing about or very minimal um, like advertisement cycle, and they end up being fucking bangers. Uh, for me, Guardians of the Galaxy was one of those. <laughs> very good game, by the way, if you didn't play it. Um, I... They probably were playing it safe. They didn't want to show too much because it is so early, and like people will fucking tear apart your videos and be like, "Oh, this this texture's not done." So yeah. it's like, we'll we'll see more the closer we get, and I'm sure that like their main story, at the least, is gonna be really fucking good. And then like we'll we'll see about the rest. But even if you just play that game and mainline it, I'm sure it'll be what we expect from Bethesda. Fair enough. All right, Starfield and Hogwarts Legacy, Forbidden West Horizon is what you're looking forward to. So. That, uh, the game definitely does seem kind of interesting, and I'm, I'm kind of intrigued to see how it comes together. Uh, but alright, so let's move into our, um, our main stuff here. Um, I know we could start off with the Game Awards if you'd like. Works for me. Okay. So, um, Game Awards, I grabbed a few categories and some screen grabs here just to kind of, you know, give people a chance to see. Um, so we do have Game of the Year as a as one we're going to look at, but we grabbed a few other loose ones first, so we'll save Game of the Year for last. Uh, the first one here is actually Best Family Title or Family Game. Um, and so the categories are Kirby and the Forgotten Land, Lego Star Wars, The Skywalker Saga, Mario and Rabbids Sparks of Hope, Nintendo Switch Sports, 
and Splatoon 3. Those are the nominations for Best Family. Uh, what do you think is going to end up taking that? I think overall Kirby will probably win. I personally voted for Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Saga. <laughs> um, I guess inherently Lego games are family games because they're kid-appropriate and they're multiplayer. Mm -hmm. um, but I think overall the critic vote will be for Kirby because the people that played that really, really liked it. Um, and I've heard like nothing but good things about their stage design, the like the music. It's Kirby, so like I haven't played it myself. I was supposed to play through the whole game with my friend, um, but I think like the co-op component is like you play as not Kirby, you play as like another character, which is silly. I feel like you both could have been Kirby's, but um, I think that one's probably just gonna win just from like the claim of it. Okay, yeah. I, so with this one, I'm I'm making a prediction based on reviews and and reception. I do think this is likely gonna be Splatoon that takes this. Um, I, I will say I miss it on there. I yeah, Splatoon, Splatoon three. Yeah, actually. I do think it's gonna be Splatoon. <laughs> I I love the Splatoon games, and honestly, I I think I wish that like it. I mean, the first one was really fun, and I just I mean, it's limited by the Switch, right? Just based on the Switch's capability and it's unfortunate because I think the game's really fun and it's such a kind of a fun take on like the FPS type thing sort of but like a little different and it's not really paint by numbers which you know no pun intended um, I think that Splatoon is probably going to take this I don't think it's the stiffest competition ever we didn't have a lot of like big titles released this year um, and I could see Nintendo Switch Sports winning, too, just because people really gravitate towards those sports games. And given that the category is family, could you make the argument that playing a game like that with family is the, you know, what's going to draw people I in? I think but... if you're going, like, pure family, like, multiple people and, like, actually, like, having a group thing, Mario and Rabbids, probably the best that fits that category. But, like, from the games in the list, Splatoon mm -hmm. will probably take it just from a claim, like you said. That's my thought process. A couple people in chat said Splatoon as well. Um, I think that's definitely uh, one uh, good bet there. So best ongoing game. So I think the parameters for this is basically like a live service game or a game that's consistently updated. It's I think I think I could be wrong. I think all of these are free to play, but there's a possibility that one of them is not. So we have Apex Legends, Destiny 2, Final Fantasy 14, Fortnite, and Genshin Impact. Final Fantasy XIV is the only one I'm not sure if that's free to play. For some reason, I feel like that's there is a monthly say. cost on that. Um, but I think I think Fortnite has to take this far and away. Um, I know Genshin has a big following and it's big globally. And not that Fortnite isn't, but I know that Genshin is like a huge, huge game, especially in China, where where its parent company is from, and just all over. Um, but I think Fortnite has just been done such a good job reinventing itself and with the no build mode being introduced which just sort of brought a lot of people back that kind of left and that's one of those games that like you play for fun with friends you don't take it too seriously but it's like very goofy and chaotic and there aren't really a lot of experiences like Fortnite in terms of seeing all those elements of pop culture and all those characters that you like and whatnot come together you know I put money in the game for the first time in forever to get the Spider-Gwen skin recently. So, you know, even for me to be like, oh, this is really cool, like, I'll come back and buy this. I, th I think Fortnite is kind of a lock here, um, but what, where do you stand? I think I actually voted for Fortnite just because that was probably one of the only ones I played this year. Um, I was playing Apex, like, consistently for multiple years after launch, but this was a year I did not do so. Um, Final Fantasy might end up winning just because their fan base is wild and all of that stuff has been super well talked about as far as like critic reviews. 
Um, but I could also see Fortnite taking it just because I feel like it breaks the internet every few months because <laughs> they put somebody in it. They put, it's like, oh my god, Zendaya's here for the third time. Or like, oh my god, I can't believe they have The Rock or whatever bullshit they're up to. Um, or just like the sheer fact that you can have like Master Chief fight fucking Superman and Darth Vader. Like, I don't know. I feel like there's always something that people are like, oh my god, look at this. Look at this person doing this dance now. Yeah. Um. Like fucking, what they put, Goku in there? Goku, I don't know, Vegeta, people... right now there's a lot of Naruto characters, Kakashi, Naruto, Gara. Yes, there's a bunch of those. Fortnite's been reaching out into multiple fandoms yeah. and getting people's attention in that respect. You can um, be Ariana Grande with a sniper rifle and shoot Vegeta in the head from halfway across the map, and I just don't think there's a lot of outlets with which to do that otherwise, so. Yeah, and I feel like they're, like I said, the no-build mode was huge, it got me back for the first time in a long time. And it might have got a lot of people back, too, at least from my experience and my friends and what people online were doing as far as making coming back. So it's not like... I feel like these games can get stagnant a lot of times, but I feel like Fortnite's still doing what they can to like keep themselves interesting interesting, and having people check them out. Yeah, it's the, it's really the constant updating for me. And like I don't play the game just like dead straight for like months at a time, but I'll take a month off and then come back to it, or take time off, come back to it. And it's always updating. There's always like map changes. There's always new weapons, new characters. You had the lightsabers, which was really fun being able to lightsaber battle people a couple weeks ago. Like there's just a lot of really cool like shift switching it up and things that go on with Fortnite that I think has made it really fun. And I think the biggest thing was that no build mode being just the. the the build mode was just not fun. I mean, if you like it, you like it. I, I'm not shitting on anybody, but, like, generally speaking, especially if you're playing on console, like, it's just harder. People who play on PC, the ability to build is a thousand times more accessible, so you can, you know, build this massive statue or building, whatever it is. I can't English well today. Um, and I just think, I think Fortnite deserves that, that spot. So we'll see. I mean, I could see... I could see Destiny with some of the hype it had earlier in the year getting that as well, but I, I think if we're being kind of unbiased here, Fortnite should probably be the one that takes this. So we'll see what happens. I don't know when the Game Awards actually Indeed. take place, but we'll have to... We'll have December 8th. December 8th? Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, best indie game. Uh, so we've got Cult of the Lamb, which we talked about a lot on the show. Gave away a copy of it, actually. Uh, Neon White. Sifu, which I've heard nothing but good things about from my friends that have played it. Stray. And Tunic. So those are the five for best indie. Um, what do you think? A good-ass category, let me tell you. Like, this is a game, this is a category, it's like, if you haven't played any of these, fucking just pick one. Like, they're all great games in different ways. I haven't played all of them, but I've seen enough about, like, Sifu, and I played the demo for Tunic. Um, I played Stray and Cult of the Lamb through to the end. Um, this one, I think I ended up voting Cult of the Lamb, um, just because I voted Stray for Best Debut Indie, which is its own category, where it's <laughs> the developer's first time making a game, oh. which is already a feat in itself if you think about Stray being nominated for Game of the Year and being their fir the studio's first time making a game. Um, but yeah, I voted Cult of the Lamb here. I think it is gonna struggle against Neon White and Sifu, honestly. I would love to see Cult of the Lamb win just because I think it was quite a different take on that genre and it was a lot of fun to me. But um, people fucking love Sifu. And when Neon White's not my ballpark it might be honestly i haven't played it but i've heard really good things about sifu and neon white but i just hope cult of the lamb wins 
Yeah, I mean, I, I would be inclined to go with Cult of the Lamb here, too, and I kind of asked you first, because I, I do not have a ton of experience with all of these, um, personally speaking. So, really, just from a prediction standpoint, I think Sifu wins it. Um, based on what I've heard and all the all the things about the game, even, you know, not having played. I, I want to play it. It's definitely one that's on my list. Um, but the, the reviews across the board for all of these have been very good. I think Cult of the Lamb was really good. It was a little... Not underwhelming, because that's not fair, but it was a little less challenging than I like it. I think we went into that a lot, but I think in terms of like what they did, it being... The game hasn't really updated much, which is a shame, because I think there's a lot more they could do with that, even if it's just adding more it dungeons. Really and DLC. Yeah, I think they released DLC that had a couple new characters with like... They added a new dungeon, new um, follower types, and mm -hmm. all that. I don't know what there was for gameplay mechanics there. And, and Stray, you know, Stray is Stray, right? Like, apparently really good, but also like... Like, I don't know. I mean, it, I know it's kind of a linear stealth game, right? So I think it's definitely worth the, the people's time to play. Um, it's definitely, in my... I don't think Stray has any business being on the game of the year list. The the best game of the year list, realistically speaking. Whereas here, it feels like it definitely deserves to be here and definitely should have a shot. So, um, yeah. that's my, my prediction, though, is that, is that Sifu ends up taking that. Best Game Direction. Um, I don't really know exactly what they define by best game direction, but I'm guessing it's just like kind of overall playthrough, game design, everything that goes into it from start to finish. That's kind of the way I would think that that is sort of established. Um, so for best game direction, we have Elden Ring, God of War, Ragnarok, Horizon Forbidden West, Immortality, and Stray. Um, so best game direction on the website is defined as awarded for outstanding creative vision and innovation in game direction and design. Okay. So creative vision sort of story. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. This is a fun category, don't we think? <laughs> it's an interesting category. It's just, it's so hard because all five of these have very good cases. They've all have a very unique and nail, like, like they nailed their creative vision that they were going for. And then they've all innovated their genres in different ways. It's a tough category. Yeah, I'll be honest with you right off the bat. I don't even know what Immortality is. Every other game I'm familiar with, I, I have no idea. I've never heard of it. I don't know what it is. Um... Immortality is It's actually it's on my list to play. It was, um, I believe it was the found footage game. Let me look really quick. Yeah, found footage game. So if you've played any of those, have you seen like... Um, her story or anything like that where you're like watching real life like real life video and then you have to like figure out the mystery nothing like that no not not that comes to well, my head it's anyway. a game it's a game like that where you're like watching videos like put like most people have like a physical pen and like just like, keeping notes yeah and there's like an overall story going on that you need to figure out but it was very like it was very well acclaimed as far as like being like has a 9 out of 10 on steam um, yeah, I have only it. heard good things about it, and this, I've heard great things about their story, and I'm going to play it. Um, but yeah, it's definitely, like, for that type of game, it is probably, like, they did, like, they took that genre and, like, fucking nailed it from what I heard. Hmm. Yeah, it's got very good reviews from what I've seen. I don't really know too much about it, but maybe it's, maybe it's worth a look. I'll have to, I'll have to check it out. It looks like it's on Windows, Xbox. It's also apparently going to be mobile, so be available on uh, iOS and Android through Netflix. So I don't know how that's going to happen or work, but that's an interesting uh, sort of approach there. 
Um, and Brian said, have God of War Horizon really innovated much from the first game in their franchises? They're great, but more of the same. Um, hmm. But, I mean, so just to preface this, I actually voted for Elden Ring when I placed my vote, but this game category isn't, did this game do better than their last game? It's like the game itself. If you pretend that they aren't sequels, yeah. what have those specific games done? But also, yes, comparing it to other games in the genre and their sequels is also important because, like, at what point is it creative vision of this game or is it creative vision that they're taking from somewhere else? Um, but I did vote for Elden Ring. I'm not, I'm not a complete hater. I think mm. it deserved it here. Um, it's their first open-world Souls game. <laughs> and I think that what they've done with, like, their vision and making that work in, like, a fluid and, like, fun way for people worked out pretty well. Yeah, I mean, I I think best game direction here uh, should be should be Elden Ring as well. I just I think the game as a whole is just I, I can't say much how much I liked it, but it was just built in such a way that it was like it was just so I can't think of what's the word like they had so much imagination going into it, like so ambitious, like so much they wanted to do. And while it was big, and there was a bit of redundancy with some of the dungeons later in the game. As a whole, like, for a game they designed on that scale with that size of a map and everything, I would say they hit on a lot more than they missed on. And I think that's big. Um, I put out a tweet earlier in the week on my own Twitter about Elden Ring and my thoughts on it, and it sparked a lot of responses and with some people who agreed, some people who disagreed, and I just think it's interesting to see those perspectives. But that game as a whole, I just think, did a lot of things right. And I think the biggest thing it has going for it is that for a lot of people, it was their first introduction into a Souls game, into that type of franchise. And it was it was inclusive. It was, it was more playable for a person who doesn't really have any experience with that. So, um, yeah, I, I would say Elden Ring. And honestly, I guess that kind of bleeds over into Game of the Year a little bit. So let me read those off so that you can give us your thoughts and then I'll, I'll elaborate a little bit more on that. Um... So here are the Game of the Year options. We've got Plague Tale Requiem, Elden Ring, God of War Ragnarok, Horizon Forbidden West, Stray, and Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Good list. Yeah, Questionable no, I, list in some respects, but good list. I don't want to offend the three people who have played Xenoblade Chronicles 3, so I won't really dabble into that territory all that much, because I'm sure all of them are probably, you know, passionate about I it. Think like for that fan base, I think it was a very good game. Mm. I don't mm. play those games or know much about it, but mm. from what I've seen online, people were very happy with it having a spot here. Yeah, I mean, and that's good for them. I, I joke, but that's obviously a really good thing for them. And uh, oops, hold on. Sorry, my screen went all wonky. Starting um, soon. <laughs> yeah, it did. It popped up. I hit the wrong. I have things like linked on the, I need to get a steam deck is what I need or a stream deck or whatever but I haven't yet but yeah so these are the game of the year options um I think I, I sort of expressed this to you a little bit too I, I I hate that God of War Ragnarok falls here where it does and and I say that because I do think that's probably gonna I, I haven't played it yet you have we're gonna talk about it a little bit later um, I do think that it's probably going to end up being in contention, if not already, sort of the, the, the potential winner there. But it came out so close to the end of the year, and it feels like like if it wasn't for God of War here, Elden Ring would take this in a landslide. 
but we're looking at a game that came out like less than a month before the cutoff period, and it's like, okay, so is Elden Ring just going to get snubbed because God of War came in and, and was just so good that it sort of... But I, I that's just me sort of saying, like, man, it sucks for that game. I, I, don't, I know it's not like something unique for God of War. It's just sort of the way it works, and it is what it is. And I'm sure other games in the past have also gotten screwed over. Not screwed over I mean, because God I think... God of War 2018 came out in April of that year. And it won, didn't it? It did. Right. <laughs> so again, one of the things that I've seen, and I, I want to give you a chance to talk, so I don't want to, I'm sorry, I don't mean to like talk over you, but I saw online that a lot of people have been review bombing Elden Ring because they're upset that God of War Ragnarok is like not automatically the winner, or they, they, they like God of War more, so they're like review bombing Elden Ring, and that was a thing, and I... I you won last year, and that was March. So it's just like it, the date really shouldn't matter in the critics that are picked it are picked for this panel, mm -hmm. like for the panel of voters. Mm -hmm. Know that, like they're not they're they're professionals. That that's kind of their job. Yeah, I guess that's true. If that if that type of thing it. doesn't come into it, where it's like if it's not you know these people that are like and that's you're right. It's probably like diehard fans and cringy people on Twitter and other social media that are like, oh, let's review bomb this because. You know, we don't like that our game isn't automatically winning. So, right, maybe objectively looking at it, you'll see. And um, But, yeah, my, my pick would be... My pick would be Elden Ring. Um, this is the only category where I'm going to give both my pick and a prediction. I, I like to think that it is what wins, but also what deserves to win. It's not taking anything away from God of War Ragnarok. It's really just giving something to Elden Ring for what it did... And, and I think it was visually stunning. Like, visually, it's incredible. If you guys haven't seen, uh, one of our one of our followers, I feel bad because I'm blanking on the name, um, was tweeting back and forth with us on Twitter. And if you follow us on, on the Uncharted Horizons podcast Twitter, you can check it out. Um, he posted some in-game screenshots of Elden Ring on PS5 and just some of the incredible graphics, how good the game looked. But, those were nice ones. Yeah, it's just sort of like one of those games that, like, it wasn't like maximizing the next-gen software because it did come out on the next-gen and the previous-gen, but for a Souls game to be that inviting, even for someone like me who's just generally not great at most video games, like, I enjoy them and I like to play them, but I don't consider myself great in any capacity, I was able to sit there and play that game and put hours upon hours into it and actually beat most of the bosses and the challenges, and so it's inviting and it's inclusive, but it also is just so in-depth, and the story is kind of hard to follow, sure, but, like, that's almost always the case for Souls games. There is a story to it that you can, like, kind of follow and get into, but I just think, given... I was I thought I was wrong when I saw it nominated for best narrative and I was like mm. I didn't play I have to check my hours. I played I played enough to know how the game played and what what I was in for. But best narrative and then mm. I was thankfully was had people in the industry that actually do this for their job be like best narrative? It, mm. It's there, sure, but it's a very obscure lore thing that obviously the diehard fans are it's there for and they enjoy it and that's great. But like it is not, it is that that is not what Elden Ring's trying to do. I don't think so anyway. And if they are trying to tell a very specific story that they want everyone to understand, they failed in that respect. But I don't think necessarily that that's what they were going for, which is a good thing because <laughs> they failed very bad if they were. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't think that was the goal either. I know George R. R. Martin actually consulted on the game as well and helped with some of the storyboarding and planning. And, uh, you know, there are elements of the story that you can kind of follow with the different Elden Lords and all of that. But there's a lot of things that kind of, you know, there are websites and YouTubers and content creators who kind of break down the story and explain it and, and take you through it. And, and you know, 
you'll have people on both sides they'll say well if i have to watch something to get the story then it's bad which i don't agree with right like just because you don't understand it but at the same time just it's discrediting all books ever well that, that's true too in other words meaning like there's probably books that you read that people read and they're confused or they don't fully get it at the end and then you like see other people's responses and interactions and sort of but it's also you know you're talking about it it's open to interpretation and i think that 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 elden ring's biggest thing is at least i think it's you know a sort of purgatory of sorts it's like a, a middle world where souls go to die but then you know you have a lot of different things that exist there with like well you know there's, there's an academy there and there's all these different buildings and schools and so why would there be like you know um that but that that's breaking down a whole other another category of thing i just think overall elden ring is a really really good game um, it, I, I haven't played every Souls game. I've played Bloodborne, I've played Demon Souls, I've played Dark Souls 2 and 3, as well as Elden Ring, and made not as much progress in any of those other games, because they're just ch they're just tough, and it, you know, I, it gets frustrating and it gets challenging, but Elden Ring being non-linear, allowing you to go in different places and do all kinds of different things, really kind of made it more inviting, and I do think it laid the foundation for what a lot of open-world-ish games are going to do going forward. Um, not not saying it reinvented the wheel because I know people pointed out Breath of the Wild and stuff on Twitter when I said that and, and I'm not discrediting Breath of the Wild although I will say that game had a little bit too much open world um, they, where you like empty areas where you just couldn't do as much um, I think that Elden Ring really does kind of set a precedent going forward and you can see that based on the fact that you were able to see um, everyone you know every, people you wouldn't expect to ever play that game put their time into it and play it, and I think that's good. So, yeah, that would be my pick for Game of the Year. Nicole, like, oh. That was, like, one of the most anticipated games for a long time, and I think everyone got caught up in that hype, <laughs> which is why so many people decided to play it. Um, but it was also good, because, like you said, it's a good entry point um, for people to see if they like that genre, and I've already known someone that's gone back and played like Bloodborne and other stuff because they liked Elden Ring so much, mm -hmm. and they wanted more of that experience. Um, I did not vote for Elden Ring. <laughs> I think it still could win, re realistically. I think it'll be very close mm -hmm. to God of War, Ragnarok winning. If it came down to like 100 votes, I feel like it's gonna be like a 50-49 <laughs> scenario, or sorry, 51-49. Mm -hmm. Um... I think it's going to be very close. Both games are deserving in different ways. Um, I personally think it's going to be God of War Ragnarok, but that's also because I want it to be God of War Ragnarok, and if I have to pick one, um, I think they're both so close that I'd rather just go with God of War Ragnarok. Um, I am very surprised to see Plague Tale and Stray make that list. I knew when people were like, oh, what do you think's going to make the cut? I was 100% sure about Elden Ring, God of War, and Horizon, but like those other three slots are kind of up in the air. Um, Plague Tale is interesting because I just played the first Plague Tale and, and to prepare for the sequel and I didn't have time to play the sequel before God of War but I haven't heard shit about it and I feel like that's very telling <laughs> I feel like I heard about that game for like maybe a few days and then absolutely nothing haven't heard shit um, and Stray is just surprising I think it's a great game I don't know what else would take its spot that you could definitely be like that's better than Stray um, but like I mentioned earlier, it's a, it's a first, their first game ever, that studio. It's a debut indie. Um, and it is a fucking great experience. Uh, visually, it's super impressive. The story's really sweet, and it was way more interesting than I thought it was going to be. I literally thought it was just a cat game. 
Um, at the time, I hadn't owned a cat, and I wasn't really a cat person, so I'm like, hmm, don't really want to play this, but um, no, it was super worth your time. Um, it ended up, ended up having a really cool story. Um, there was actually action involved. It's like a puzzle platformer, but has a really good narrative, too. <laughs> so if you have a PlayStation, definitely check out Stray. Um, but yeah, I definitely think it's going to go to God of War. Um, I'm going to be talking about my 16 or so hours with God of War once we're done wrapping this up, so I'll save why for then. <laughs> okay, yeah, I was just checking something to see if anyone else had tweeted that. Um, okay, so that's going to wrap us up for this. This was just meant to sort of like touch on the Game Awards thing. I think once there's some results, we can talk about it a little bit more. Um, and more so than anything else, like there might be some games that neither of us have played that we could get a little bit more um, experience on. So I think with with the main topic of our show being the Black Panther movie um, and Wakanda Forever, which was just fantastic, um, you know, it would make sense to kind of pivot into that now um, and the just Black kind Panther of give, or give to, God of War. to God of War, and then we'll wrap up with the Black Panther. So. Yeah. Um, so he, here's let me get a little let me get a little God of War graphic on the screen for you and just to set the tone a bit here, God of War Ragnarok came out on the 9th of November. Um, I have not played it yet. I don't think it'll be it'll be a bit before I get a chance to play. Um, I'm not like you know dreadfully concerned about spoilers, but because the game is so new and there are a lot of people who do want to play and who have not had the chance to, we are going to keep this spoiler free. Um, so, you know, maybe in the future, once a bit more time has passed and the game has been out, we could revisit and actually talk about it in a non-spoiler-free setting. Um, because, obviously, it'd be nice to revisit some of the predictions that we made in our previous video and see sort of where we're at and what's going on. Um, so... I'll give the floor to Nicole on this. Uh, you you know, you're the one who uh, has really kind of gotten some time into this game, and uh, where, where do you stand on it so far? How do you feel? Does it live up to your expectations a bit? Um, yeah, the floor is yours. I feel like it's not picking me up. Okay, it does live up to expectations, for sure. Mm -hmm. um, but I do just want to, before I keep talking, if you want to know, like, nothing about Ragnarok, I would just skip it. And I'm not going to spoil anything, but, like, some people don't want to know, like, anything at all. Yeah. So, obviously, they should stop listening if they don't want to hear anything about it being similar or whatever. Um, but, no, yeah, it's exactly what I expected, which is what I also expected for the Horizon sequel. It's, like, if something's not broke, you don't need to drastically change it. You take what you have and you build upon it, and that's what they've done for Ragnarok. Um, they pick up the story where they left off for from um, 2018, and you're pretty much playing a very similar game, um, but with all the upgrades that you would expect for a sequel in 2022. Um, graphically, it's fucking impressive as fuck. It looks so nice. Like, there's no photo mode, which is really upsetting. They're gonna add one. Um, but I've taken some screenshots just with, like, the capture feature on the PlayStation, and even those are just, they're so cool. Like, I upload them to Twitter, and you can still, like, zoom in so far. So, like, you're already, like, getting, like, I'm sure there's, like, some type of compression from going from your PlayStation over Wi-Fi to Twitter and then, like, downloading the photo there. But they just look so nice, and, like, I had my boyfriend come look at, this, at the screen, and he was like, wow. He's like, I didn't expect it to look that good. Hmm. And I'm playing on performance, so, like, you could even have it be, like, a higher fidelity. Um, or eventually when it's on PC, like, like it's, it's, it's crazy. Like Horizon already set up the bar really high and I feel like God of War is right there with it as far as the character models, the environments, just everything. It, it just looks great. Um, 
But yeah, I feel like that's not surprising to anybody. <laughs> no. The PS5 is a very strong console. I very much have seen a few screenshots, uh, like a, bit, a little bit of gameplay. It does look really good. Um, I don't think this is a spoiler because they've shown it in footage and stuff, but it does look like for some elements of the game, it, they've changed the combat style a little bit. Is that fair to say? Um, so like I said, spoilers for the first game, not for this game. Right. Um, you start the game having uh, Kratos's axe. I'm drawing yeah. a blank on the name of the, the, and the his Blades of Chaos, axe. right? Yeah, so yeah. you have the Blades of Chaos and the Leviathan axe, that's what it is. Um, whereas in the first one, you had to go back and eventually get the Chain Blades, which is Kratos's like signature item from the mm. first three games he was in. Um, but yeah, you start off having both of those, which is really cool, and you end up... So like with sequels, it's weird. It's like, how are we gonna reset your character and make them forget all the stuff that you learned in the first game and have you learned it again? But they don't do that in this one. You still have a very, like... Uh, you still have a skill tree available, which is cool, but some of the stuff that you learned in the first one is just, like, an innate ability you already have, which is cool. Oh, that's you don't have to, cool. like, pretend I forgot how to do this attack. Um, I'm sure there's some that are the same, but, no, I feel like your your starting kit is very good, and then from there you have um, some skill customization. Um, you have armor customization. There's, like, um, I don't know if they did this in the first one, but you have, like, different attachments, like, for your axe and your chain blades, and you can upgrade them individually, add different stats to them, um, the armor or, like, the pieces of the weapons that you find will change certain things about the weapon and their and their effects, which is cool. Okay. I don't think that was something in the first. I played that so long ago, so I don't recall if you had weapon upgrades like that. I don't remember. Um, I think you could do a bit, but I don't think it was super in-depth or anything. Um, and I don't want to... I There were a couple other things that I saw that seemed interesting, but I don't know if they're spoilers or not, so I won't dabble in them now just for the purpose of not ruining anything for anyone. Um, but I did see that there was a, a bit of a different approach to gameplay at some point, so it should be interesting to see how that pans out. I'll tell you what I'm talking about after. Um, and, and we can certainly revisit this whole thing down the road a little bit, because I'm sure it'll be cool to like delve into the story and what happens and everything else at a later date. Um, but yep. I'm glad you're enjoying it but so yeah. far. I definitely would like to get a chance to play it at some point. It's just I'm not going to buy it for PS4. It just doesn't seem worthwhile. Yeah. That's also crazy is that they've developed Horizon and God of War for both systems, which I don't think they should have done. But regardless, they've achieved something fucking crazy on both of them. Not only does Ragnarok look fucking fantastic on the PS5, I've heard that it holds up very well on the PS4 as well. Obviously, if that's your only option, then I think that's pretty good, because you can still enjoy Ragnarok, but if you have the option to play on a PS5, waiting's probably worth it, but... Um, no, yeah, there's a bunch of surprises in store. I'm about 16 hours in, and I don't think, I don't think I'm at the halfway point. I don't know. The way I'm playing the game is I'm literally going and doing everything that I can. Um, so, like, you could just fucking mainline it if you want. And I think the game is around maybe, like, 15-ish hours if you mainline and, like, not really explore much. But I think it's around, like, 35-ish if you're doing side stuff and, like, scoping out the areas. Um, so I'm checking for everything. And the game, like the first one, rewards you for going off the main path, even if you're just in a cave you're like oh shit i'm gonna go to the right and you find like a chest there so everywhere i've gone it has not been a waste of time i found like really important upgrade items or really important um like lore things you can pick up there's like different collectibles and stuff like the first game um so everything's like super rewarding to play in that respect hmm. okay so, ryan did say nicole without going into it do you like the poems 
So poems are one of the collectibles in the game, and the poems are really, really cool. I'm not going to really talk about them because I want people to discover them for themselves, but when you do start collecting the poems, take a good look at them because they have a theme going on, and it's, it's very cool once you realize what the poems are saying. Okay. So that's yeah. that's sort of the intro thoughts on God of War Ragnarok. Um, we will revisit this topic at some point once Nicole finishes it yep. and I get a chance to uh, to at least get some insight on it. I don't want to talk about something off the top that I don't know anything about. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, de- definitely worth your time. They pretty much improve everything. Hey, keep the, an eye out. Black, Black Friday's right around the ho- corner, right? It's possible we could see a sale for this, right? I don't know. I, I don't know what the sale. I saw like Elden Ring on sale for like thirty dollars at GameStop for Black Friday. It's not bad. I, I was saw gonna... that Horizon was on sale. Like, there's some good shit out there. I was gonna say we should look at the some of the flyers and on, on next week's pre-Thanksgiving show, maybe talk about some of the good deals in gaming for Black Friday and sort of what people Ooh, might be worth be looking for. So, so just kind of a, a, a fun idea. But um, any other thoughts on this or at the moment, or are we uh, are we good? Um, to... no, I don't really think I can talk much more about it without like spoiling anything. But it's I'm definitely having a good time. Some of the sections are getting like a little draggy, but that's also because I'm doing everything I can before moving on, so that's completely my fault. Um, and like all of that stuff, like the first game, you can go back to probably either at the end of the game or whenever, because for people that like trophies, there's no missables, so most of the stuff can be done again or done like, at your leisure. But definitely worth playing if you don't have it and you have a PS5. I don't know what you're doing play that game <laughs> but yeah i look forward to uh talking about it again once we hopefully both finish yeah absolutely well um so that's got to war ragnarok and yeah i do think that'll be uh, a good topic for for next week's show as well maybe so we'll, we'll get some we get some fun ideas on on the horizon for that we'll touch on a little bit so the the real like the main thing tonight and the thing we kind of wanted to touch on here uh is black panther wakanda forever which came out uh last thursday and uh, there was obviously a lot of hype and anticipation for this. And I will say, for transparency's sake, that there will be spoilers here. Uh, I don't think we're going to, you know, we're not going to try and spoil the whole movie. But I do think there's a few things to touch on and talk about that are kind of relevant. Um, so, I think, you know, just be aware. We'll try to be somewhat considerate with the spoilers, but there's a few things that are maybe obvious to some people but that that kind of tie into the bigger picture with the mcu so um nicole what'd you think of wakanda forever did you like it i did yeah it was really good i was never one of the people that was super like oh my god black panther my favorite mc movie of all time like i definitely enjoyed the first one um but i think and i also haven't seen it in a long time so this could obviously be recency bias um but i think i did enjoy this one more than the first one um I think that they, just like intro thoughts, I think that they transitioned and covered like Chadwick's death in a really nice way without just breezing over it and like giving him the proper respect as far as what they did for like the intro and like the credits. Like obviously this was a crew of people, including the actors and the writers that really cared about continuing their story and the Black Panther story in a nice way. Yeah, I I honestly loved it. Um, I liked it a lot more than the first one. I think the first one was a good movie. I think that the CGI was a little rough. 
uh, at certain parts, especially the fight scene at the end of the first movie. Uh, I do think the first one was significant from a cultural perspective, especially for people that like kind of identify with that, and I think it was great to see that kind of mass representation in a Marvel movie, and so I understand where a lot of the acclaim came from for that movie. I think it was really good, but I think it might have been a tad overrated as well, um, just in terms of, like, it was good, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't Endgame good, it wasn't, you know, on the level of some of those, um, or, you know, Winter Soldier or whatever, but this one really kind of blew me out of the water, no pun intended, um, in terms of the overall impact. I thought they did a great job paying tribute to Chadwick Boseman. There's a great scene that takes up the first maybe 10-15 minutes of the movie that pays tribute to him. Um, it seemed genuine. It didn't feel like a cash grab, quote-unquote, in the sense that like it was uh, you know, doing something for clout or doing something for attention. You could obviously tell that a lot of these actors who had worked with him had great respect for him and the movie did a good job even even with a silent marvel intro you know with no sound playing when it just showed like clips of him um and there was the the moments and just throughout the film as a whole they did a really good job kind of paying respect to him with small subtle things and and by all accounts i mean obviously what happened to chadwick boseman was tragic but i'm glad they didn't just gloss over it especially because him passing away likely did a lot to impact the direction of this movie um Obviously, Shuri is the main character here, uh, and she's got some really good supporting cast around her. I don't remember the, all the names, but uh, whoever whoever it is that plays uh, is it Okoye, I believe, um, who's with her. You know, when they go to the go to the mainland or whatever, and they have some scenes there. She's such a talented actress, and um, is it Angela Bassett? I think plays the queen, who is yeah. Shuri's mom. She she's she's she phenomenal. Fucking crushed she was just movie. so good. Had such a powerful on screen presence. Um, I don't remember her being that impactful in the first movie, and also it may have just been because the focus was more on like Chadwick's character and everything else. But she was, she was really kind of commanded power, and also it just sort of like came across really well. The scene when she's with Cong in the Congress and she's just sort of basically puts everyone on blast. It's just kind of like just a really powerful, um, you know, series of moments. And I think, I just think that that considering the circumstances and the changes that they had to make from everything that happened from the Wakanda perspective and it was just it was just really well done and respectful but also like interesting you know they should, obviously I mean, this was kind of obvious but I did give a spoiler warning I'll give another one obviously Sherry becoming the new Black Panther was kind of expected I didn't really see anyone else they could have slotted into that role unless it was random but I thought she they, did. They could have went with Lupita, which uh, plays Nakia, and she's the oh, um, that's true too. The love interest in the first movie, and she's like yeah. the she lives in Haiti now as the I believe the school teacher. Yeah, yeah. Um, it would have been really cool to see it be her, but it being Shuri just makes a lot more sense. And I don't see it have go haven't gone any other way. Like I don't know how they would have wrote that for anyone else yeah she did a great job and then you know the the, the tie-ins and you're right nikita was was really good especially with with her involvement and the the midnight angel costumes and saw the the suits that they made for the dormelage i actually looked that up after the movie and i'm like oh these are like very comic accurate like there's a whole thing in the comics where they're basically like a sub team of people or whatever that's good because i really like the costume and like the headpiece but not not the mask i did not and I like the front. I was like, what in the Sonic the Hedgehog is going on here? I was like, <laughs> it was a little I was weird. Like, I love blue. I was like, I love like they had like like the strips of like fabric coming off of it. I was like, love that. I was like, the mask has got to change. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a little weird. And honestly, it um, 
Like, Okoye made fun of that. Yeah, she, was she like, joked I'm about it. I'm not wearing that. It looks terrible. Yeah. And I was like, at least the dirt, like, they know. <laughs> yep, I liked that as well. And and honestly, um, what what's his name? Uh, M'Baku was great. You know, everything that involved that whole thing with the Jabari, that was good. A lot of it was well done. I still don't understand the weird guy with the coin in his mouth. I he's just from one of the tribes. I don't know if it's a cultural thing or what, but he's just got a big-ass quarter in his mouth, and I was very confused, because I don't even remember if he was in the first movie, but then I feel like he, he definitely was. He is in the was. first movie, but it is, like, a actual, like, it's a real-life, like, cultural yeah? thing. Yeah? Well, that's interesting. I don't, I just, I didn't know if there was some significance to that, but those guys were, you know, those guys were cool, and obviously there's some, there's some throwback moments. I will say, you know... A few things are a little bit far-fetched, and, and I mean that by the standards of a Marvel movie that are, like, plot devices, like Shuri being able to just magically recreate the, uh, the, the herb with the, 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 the stuff from underwater, uh, you know what I'm talking about, where she's able to recreate yeah. the... Yeah, I think, I think it makes sense that her AI and her computer system could figure it out, Yeah. But- yeah, I mean, it It was a magical thing, <laughs> yeah. but I didn't really get the tie to Wakanda, I got the tie of Namor's people, you like also yeah. thriving off of vibranium, but yeah, uh, yeah, and it's it's fine. It's you know <laughs> it's a movie. You turn your brain off a little bit, but in essence, it was just sort of like oh, convenient because if Namor hadn't taken her where he took her and she hadn't found that little thing, she would have never made no, the. No, it was it was his mother's bracelet, which was also a weird thing. I I don't understand why he did what he did. Yeah, he was like the first human that's seeing Talokan. This is like she's the princess and another spoiler eventual queen of mm-hmm. wakanda so having that relationship would have been very strong for him and i think he was trying to ple- like appeal to her emotional like to her emotions and to yeah. like, her side and being like take this very important valuable thing that gave me my powers yeah don't and leave <laughs> he was an interestingly written character and apparently nothing that happens with namor in that movie is comic accurate nothing it's they could they it's completely unique to the movie um, I asked my friend who's a big sort of comic fan. and uh, I think he honestly stole the show, though. Like, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of his character. And yeah. I was glad that he is he is a villain, but I'm glad yeah. he's, like, kind of redeemable and that he's still around because I, I, I really enjoyed his character. Yeah, he's not, like, I wouldn't say he's, like, a... Uh, he's not a good guy, obviously, but he's not, like, a... Te- he wanted to protect his people. Like, I don't think they're all... I mean, it's sort of like a damned if you do, damned if you don't type situation. The way he went about it was obviously wrong, and, and, and what we're sort of referencing, of course, was the other point that, you know, definitely spoiler-ish, but also in the trailer, the introduction of Ironheart, um, who is going to be getting her own series on Disney+, Plus, sort of like that little tie-in there, even if it was very clearly done as, like, a, a plug-type thing, but that's okay. I mean, I thought she, she was really good, and I'm looking forward to seeing, like, what her show does and how it ties into things. But yeah. you're right, Namor was good. I was hoping her role would have been more, and speaking of Ironheart, would have been more um, prominent. But, like, I don't know. There was so much going on in that movie, and it was still, like, so long. Like, none of it felt... Like, the pacing was very good. Mm-hmm. But I feel like, I don't know, Ironheart was just... she. Her role was very similar to America Chavez and the, the Doctor Strange. It's like, oh, let's throw in this side character just yeah. so we can get them some screen time. I did really like Ironheart and like I think her show is probably exactly what she needs. Mm-hmm. Um, fun fact though, while we're talking about Ironheart, is she goes to MIT. And you know who else goes to MIT? You? Mary Jane. Oh! Nat Zendaya. I don't think she's called Mary Jane in this MJ, just MJ. Yeah, but isn't she done um, with the movies, with the Spider-Man movies at this point? I don't 
So I think that, that being at MIT at the same time could be something. Maybe, but but she <laughs> she forgot. She doesn't know who Peter yeah, she is did anymore. Forget. I don't know. I liked it. I thought she was really good in the role, but it seemed like they were moving on from that. I don't know. I don't know if we're getting any more Tom Holland Spider-Man movies, so that's a whole other conversation. Oh, we are. He just signed on his contract for oh. three more. Is there is three there going to be any movies. MCU crossover movies? Oh, like, yeah. He's going to be in the um, the Secret Wars and the Kong King. Oh, okay. I thought, yeah, I heard something about it, but I didn't see confirmation, so I wasn't sure. Okay. Cool. I think I think it was real, because I saw everyone t- like talking about it, and there's no way they wouldn't. Sony is silly. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Good property. We don't really need to recap. Oh, Venom's all right, but yeah, I think for that. And of course, Morbius, but you know, it's always Morbin time. And I think we should probably get Morbius in the MCU at some point, somehow. That would be great. Um, so they could like re-release that movie for the fourth time, and maybe it'll yeah, maybe it'll make some money. But yeah, uh, back to um, what yeah, you say? Wakanda. No. I was going to say back to Namor. <laughs> Namor, yes, yes. He was good. I liked him. I, I, the actor was really good. I'm not familiar with his work from anything else. So I he's actually he was... new, which is oh. very cool. Yeah. From what I saw, this was like his like breakout role, and I think that he did a great job. You gotta like look afterwards, like look up a video of him on the red carpet or whatever. You would, he's like not what you'd picture. Like his voice, obviously he has he has an American accent for. I think it's American. No, probably not. Spanish. I don't know what his his people were like Mayan, I believe. But uh, anyway, like his that, accent yeah. in real life is different than the movie, and, and he's just, like, so, like, bubbly and happy, and it was just not what I expected um, from him just because of his role. Um, yeah. But, no, yeah, he was really cool. I knew nothing about Namor except for he was a villain to Black Panther, um, and I did not expect his, like, mutant abilities to have nothing to do with being, like, a fish besides being able to breathe underwater. He has, like, fucking wings on his feet. Yeah. But that was really cool. The action stuff with him wasn't just, I was like, oh, like, what is he gonna do? He, they had him do some really cool stuff in the air where he, like, fucking, like, like, boosted and was, like, I don't know. I don't know what you would call that. Just, like, fucking, like, going back and forth in the sky. And, yeah, they just did a really cool job with his action scenes. Hmm. Yeah, I was just reading a quick note here about him. Yeah, the 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 whole idea of him having the uh, the wings and, the, and everything. I thought he looked a little goofy, but it wasn't like anything drastic. It was just kind of like, okay, like sure, we'll we'll take it. He's a C, you know, he's a C person, but he did a good job. Um, I like that actor. I'm interested to see. Obviously, it's fair to assume that he'll be in another movie at some point um, or something. I I think there'll be should be another Black Panther movie the way they set that up. Um, but I was yeah, pleasantly surprised. Yeah, said the Black Panther will return. Yeah. Yeah, which means could be Young Avengers or something like that. Or not Young Avengers, but like Kang Dynasty or whatever. And who knows? We could see a lot of different things with the multiverse, right? There could be a lot of uh, oh, yeah. crossover. If Tony Stark could come back, you know, a billion different <laughs> things you could look at there. Yeah, I liked Namor a lot. I hope, I hope, I'm glad that he's still around and that we'll probably see him again in some capacity you think he ended off on a good note but i think i don't know <laughs> he might be back with a vengeance yeah we'll see i mean the way it ended it sort of seemed to be like he's going to be more of an anti-hero at this point or like a not a neutral party because he more or less basically said that you know wakanda may need him at some point when the humans start to you know when, when people start to come in so we'll see i mean who knows i don't know how much more you could really yeah, get them calling on talokan which by the way fucking beautiful yeah they there's get a, a really... scene there's a scene where Shuri goes down to talokan and there's a song playing and it is so cool i've seen it all over tiktok people talking about this scene like the song choice was perfect like the how they designed talokan was awesome just, just a really cool concept. Like, obviously, I love underwater stuff, so it was cool to see another underwater world, because Aquaman, 
does it too, but I don't know. I, I like this version of it as well. Yeah, I'm not sure how feasible it would be in real life to have an underwater city like that, but I guess. Well, I guess. It's kind of interesting, we'll right? Because they don't live. They all live in like an underwater like. I don't even know what was going on. They're all just kind of like floating in the water outside. Uh, they show scenes where they're like doing drugs and other stuff, just kind of in the water, just vibing <laughs> out. And I'm like, all right. They were definitely, one of them was popping an Advil. They were doing yeah. something. Well, uh, Namor sits in a cool like Megalodon jaw, so. <laughs> they have as one does. I mean, if you were the ruler of an undersea thing, Naturally. would you not also sit in a. But I'm like, what if they get wet? How do they dry off? Like, I don't. I mean, there's parts of. Talokan where they're where they're in where that there isn't water right when they're in the palace so it's like I don't know um yeah they're still human so I feel like after a while you'd be like pretty tired of swimming around or pruny, <laughs> like, right like your hands are gonna get all pretty I take a bath for like 25 minutes and I feel like I'm a... well they're probably immune to that yeah, I mean maybe but I don't like to assume yeah. also uh, like the people I don't know what I don't know what they're called the people of Talokan did they have a name like their people the Talokanians I don't remember I don't know. I made that up. But in the um, beginning of the movie, there's this really cool scene where they're essentially like sirens in the water, and that's like our first yep. introduction to Namor and his people. And it was fucking terrifying. Like in a theater with like the sound system, the they're singing like a siren song, and at first you don't really realize that's what you're hearing. Mm -hmm. But then like as it progresses, it almost gets louder, and you're like, oh shit! Like this is playing on like the mermaid siren myth of luring people out to sea and killing them. Like yep, they fucking. All just start jumping off Crazy. the boat. Yeah, I yeah, just looked that, it up. It's the Talacanil is the, the population, so I, they didn't really oh, do too okay. much there. So It's based on Atlantis, obviously. That's from, right. like, Azte and, and another Aztec, um, and another Aztec thing. But yeah, the, the siren thing was very interesting, and then they're just, like, singing, and they're all just, like, jumping to their death and stuff. Uh, the one thing I did think was a little weird and out of place in the movie, and again, just another spoiler warning, just give people a second to skip, um, Constantine, or Constantino, whatever her name is, Val Constantino, of course, played by Julia uh, Louis-Dreyfus, I believe, is in the movie, and of course, this is the first time we've seen her since the end of, uh, well, I don't know if she actually appeared in Hawkeye when she hired Yelena to go after Clint, but she was also, bitch, of course, yeah. in Captain America and the Winter Soldier, um, and she's sort of the one who's gonna be heading the Thunderbolts in the comics, she goes back and forth between villain and good guy like she's never really she's kind of like neutral like plays to her own interest but she's putting together the the team of you know the thunderbolts um valentina valentina yeah name. valentina yeah and she's just kind of like you know screws over i'm Ross, so tired like, of seeing this bitch man <laughs> oh just wait because i'm pretty sure she's got a lot she's got a lot coming up obviously we're gonna see john walker again and uh oh, fuck and, that dude and too. a lot of other people and of course i am interested yeah. in a whole lot of other stuff with that movie because Bucky, I can't see Bucky and Yelena just willingly just being like bad. Maybe we did talk about this a little bit then. Maybe but I, I just I can't. Just, yeah, see I know what you mean because if they're like a Suicide Squad, unless sort of. If so, this movie actually was the first time that I'm aware of that we knew that Valentina was like head of the CIA. Like I knew yeah, she had some kind of that power in. position because she was she had obviously insider knowledge about where these superhuman people are. Yeah. But that was new, and also I think new information that she's married to General Ross. They were which married, is right? married. Yeah, we're married, and that she like I don't understand. I don't understand her. Like, what what is her goal here? Because why are you arresting an obviously good man? Because she and, works like, for the CIA. Is, she's all about the power. She wants to like have. The I know, whole... but like, so like the only like there's no way because she's like imagine we had the power of Wakanda, but there's like, like I said, there's no way one Bucky would because like. The Wakandans literally saved him. Yeah. And he 
much family at this point. Um, and yeah, like you said, uh, what's her face? Florence's character. She's not gonna. So like, unless she, unless she comes to her and like we have this, this, and this on you, and you need right, to do this right, for us, or yeah. like we're gonna fucking lock you up again. Because even though we know that they have no reason to be locked up, and they've done more than enough to save the world, um, I could see her pulling some bullshit like that. But yeah, I think she's I gonna know. be kind of like Amanda, Amanda Waller <laughs> in in Suicide Squad on the DC side of things, where she's sort of right. like she's not evil inherently, but she's sort of like you know secretive government really only kind of cares about yeah, like herself and her but yeah not i mean yeah a greedy kind of whatever but i mean my guess is you know in the comics there's different spins on thunderbolts and you know one of them is led by baron zemo and it's like a team of villains and then there's you know another thunderbolts team where it's like they some of them actually want to like go good and try to like actually be heroes so there's, like, maybe there's, like, two separate teams and one thing leads to another. I don't know. It was just interesting to see her kind of inserted into the movie because we've only seen her in, in secretive uh, things at this point. So I guess maybe they had to sort of shoehorn that in, but it wasn't, you know. It wasn't a huge... Ross was cool. I thought he did a good job. You know, he wasn't, like, a huge um, component of the movie, but he was solid for what he did, and he'll obviously be in... Uh, he's going to be in an upcoming series. I think it might be Secret Invasion, I think. Yeah. Which I'm really excited for. That looks really, really good. Uh, but so overall, I would give the movie. I gave it about an 8.5 out of 10. I think it was really good. I think it deserves to be seen. It's really good tribute to Chadwick, um, and just they did they did a lot of good here. I know some people are like burnt out about new Marvel stuff, and I see that all the time online. And I don't feel that way. I just kind of really look forward to seeing new things when they come out and just enjoy them. Um, I don't fault anyone who does. I just, I'm like, I'm give me whatever content is there. You know, it's, I, especially the movies, but I think three movies a year is not really anything that crazy. And, and, you know, the TV shows yeah, if you are you don't want to watch it, don't, but then they're like, Ooh, but then you don't know everything. It's like, eh, you could it's very it. enjoyable to me. I <laughs> never even people. finished She-Hulk. I still had like two episodes left. I, I, I liked the show. I did. I just, it was, I it never, it didn't hit. I mean, you have to be honest, right? Like, I think the criticism of that show got is stupid because it was funny and, and they, the lead actress was great. I have nothing bad to say about the show, but it's not must-watch on the level of, like, Loki or Falcon and the Winter Soldier or some of those other shows where you were, like, it's basically... It's must-watch in the respect of if you want to know everything going right. on. Right, but in it's terms of... It's connected to the bigger picture, but... Mm -hmm. But you're, I'm saying in terms of, like, feeling like, oh, shit, it's Wednesday, I gotta, I gotta go watch Loki. Like, I gotta go watch Falcon and the right. Winter Soldier. Like, those were, like appointment viewing almost like as soon as it came out even with like kenobi and stuff you know uh which i still haven't finished um so yeah <laughs> there's two episodes left i really just have to sit down and suffer through it because not suffer through it but like just power well no power through it whatever because disney plus is raising their prices and uh that's kind of ridiculous it, it's just everything's getting so expensive but i highly recommend this movie um it was really good and i'm obviously looking forward to Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, coming up pretty soon. The only Marvel thing we have left for this year is the Guardians Holiday Special, which is a movie, but I don't think it's, like, a full feature. No, I, I'm excited about that, too, though, because it's Guardians. I see, yeah. Great. So, I mean, they, they, who's, was it Kevin Bacon's in it or something? Is okay, it Kevin can, can we place a bet, though, that they that they decorate Groot like a Christmas Oh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, if they don't, it's a wasted opportunity, in my opinion. Um, I'm really excited for that. I think that'll be good. Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special. I anything Christmas, just I'll just consume it. 
Yes. All right, so Wakanda Forever, yeah, it was really good. I liked it a lot, and um, hopefully, as we start to get in a bit more of like a routine here going forward, we can like see these movies when they come out, and then do shows kind of talking about them and, and get on a syner you know a synergized schedule where we're. I think you and I both pretty much more often than not are day one or like week one viewers of, of big movies. So mm -hmm. I always try to go see stuff, and I don't like to go to like the seven or eight p.m. showings on release days because it's just crazy. And I don't know if you ever get this, but like go to the movies and you just get like a bunch of people that are like sitting behind you like talking the whole time or like wish, you know, I get like the annoying kids that are like sitting behind me yeah. and like good for them enjoying the movie but like I don't need to you know it's you gotta find like a nice balance when I went to see yeah, I found for at least for Marvel and Star Wars opening nights it's all like like minded fans that are that crazy to be there that day yeah so yeah, it's obviously a different. I mean Black Panther actually wasn't bad because no. there wasn't obviously any like fucking crazy actually we did get some cheering towards the end for the post credit scene, which maybe we shouldn't talk about. Yeah. But um, I could see why people were really excited for that. Um, like you said, there's a lot of very good cultural representation that movies have been missing, so it was. I could see why we had like some cheering in our theater. I'll say, I, I liked the post credit scene, and I thought it was meaningful, but I didn't get it Like beyond just it being significant for what it was. It didn't excite yeah. me about anything... In the future of the MCU or anything, if that, if that's, I mean, that maybe, maybe, so, maybe I missed something. I don't know. I don't want to say anything about it in case. It was there... just like an unknown. But... Okay, all right. So maybe, maybe it was just, yeah, it was more of like a, you know, this is cool. This is yeah. Sort of I mean, it was a specific group for that scene anyway. Yeah. Um, so they must have just like been really excited about that prospect, or maybe they knew the actor from somewhere. <laughs> Who knows? But. Yeah, I don't know. Other otherwise, our theater was very respectful, and like during the opening and like um, Marvel crawl that they do with all the stuff, they obviously they swapped out all of those images for Chadwick Boseman and his different roles as Black Panther, um, and it was completely silent the entire time. So that was obviously nice because it wasn't like a recommended moment of silence, but it was just kind of like an agreed upon thing that everyone was just fucking dead quiet for like nobody was even thinking about coughing during that you know <laughs> yeah i thought it was it was it was good uh, it was a good tribute so yeah so guys definitely check it out um and god of war emotional movie great thing it is emotional but it wasn't like too sad it was powerful but it well, i didn't feel like um you know i didn't feel like i didn't get like super emotional during it but it was more so just like a the silence and the the way that they paid the respects did kind of resonate with you so I and it. I think to uh, just to credit again, Latita Wright's performance as Shuri, and all of theirs really, it's like that was somebody that they lost in real life. So it's like even though they're acting for these scenes, I think there's a certain portion of it that is their actual emotions shining through, and they do a great job of expressing those in a way that we can visibly see. Yeah, I agree completely. All right, so uh, you know what's on the horizon. Um, What's going on? I, I will say just, uh, you know, we mentioned it briefly. Next week's show will be our Thanksgiving week show. So it will be a, probably a bit more laid back, but also fun and a lot of stuff to cover. So we'll talk about some of the best Black Friday deals in gaming and stuff, what you can look forward to and uh, what, you know, if you are going to be going out shopping and trying to pick up some stuff. And we'll talk about some Thanksgiving dinner and our, our preferences at the Thanksgiving dinner table, of course. And uh, sort of what we're thankful for in gaming. I don't know how exactly we'll lay all of that out, but hopefully Maybe you guys can do join. another uh, another draft. We could do a Thanksgiving food draft. Steve I feel like was food draft is um, I do reign supreme. I do feel like this that. kid's gonna this, this dude's gonna come out here and be like fucking I don't know, <laughs> carrots. He's gonna be yeah, like carrots, and I'm gonna be like what? 
Out of all the things you can say, is like, yeah, dude, carrots. No, number one Thanksgiving food is those little croissant rolls or like the baked crescent <laughs> like, rolls. Like, well, He's well, drafting turkey. his best foods and he picks croissants. Have you ever had the... Th- My grandma used to make... Well, not used to make. She's still alive and well. But she would make, like, turkey... And then we'd have like a big smorgas, you know, stuffing, mashed potatoes, you know, cranberry sauce. The cranberry sauce, of course, better better in a Brian can. Brian goes, Brayden's going to be like candied yams. No, I don't <laughs> like candied yams. Like, cranberry sauce is good, but only the canned, I do like cranberries. canned yes. cranberry sauce. Yellow Not the one. weird fucking homemade shit. I'm out on that. Um, yeah, we, we want the nasty stuff. Give sloth. me the shitty, sugary, like, whatever. Like, inject me with that cranberry sauce. The one that looks like it's just a glop when it comes out. But, no, she would make, it like, like you know, the gravy. And uh, and then you get to look the crescent rolls. They peel apart. And you just put a little bit of turkey on there with some gravy. Make a little Thanksgiving sandwich. Oh, hungry mm-hmm. just thinking about it. But all that's next week. Um, so... Yeah, that's 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 something to look forward to, and um, I don't really have anything inherently coming up right now. I've been playing some Fortnite. I really want to get into Sonic Frontiers. Um, we're just waiting for it to go on sale. Uh, that game apparently is really good. We joked about it earlier, but it looks like it's got good reviews, and I'm kind of excited to hopefully get a chance to play that at some point. Um, I might do that before God of War, just because I think it's shorter, and I don't want to like buy God of War right now, because I'll probably just hope my roommate will let me play it when he's done. Um, but yeah, that's that's about it for me. I want to finish editing a few things for the channel um, and get stuff situated for that. And again, just thanks to everybody who um, who, who watched last week's episode. Just craziness. Um, so, Nicole, what's up for you? What are you doing? What's going on? I am finishing God of War before the Game Awards, hopefully. That's just an arbitrary goal I set for myself. <laughs> just I'd like to know why. Game of the Year wins Game of the Year. <laughs> Having finished God of War Ragnarok. Um, so yeah, I'm spending most of my free time trying to get through that because it's obviously taking me a while. Um, not that I think it needs to be shorter or anything. I just It's just a longer game in the way I'm playing it. And I might get tired of playing it this way and just fucking breeze through like I did in the first game. But everything so far has been just really fun to play and the story and everything's just there. And it makes doing all the extra stuff a lot of fun um show wise i do need to watch the new episode of andor today which if you've been watching that that show is fucking great just a different take on star wars obviously it's it's an era that we're comfortable or know about but um it's just cool to see things from where andor is filming i think that's all i'm doing i feel like there's nothing nothing else really going on besides god of war pokemon comes out don't know if i'm getting that i'm definitely not getting it day one but i might wait and pick it up after God of War, maybe, but we'll see. Hmm. I forgot about that actually coming out. Uh, I mean, some of the new Pokemon are really cool, so there's that. I can't say I'm, like, you know, chomping at the bit for it. But I just, again, I think Pokemon's formula is a little bit played out. Uh, but people are excited about it, and I'm pumped for you if you're happy about it. So, yeah, Indeed. so you got God of War. Um, we got, yeah, I guess that's that's going to do it for us today, I think. Nicole shouted out all of our socials at the top of the the channel. If you guys are listening to this and you want to follow us on any of those, please do so. Um, if you're oh, listening, yeah, hang on real quick. Brian said shout out to Ash. He finally became the world champion. That's true. Twenty five years it took him, and he's still only he was ten. Seven, what thirteen for twenty five years or something? Ten. He's still years. ten. Somehow. Ten. He's Where ten. is this boy's parents? It, it, well, his dad died, and I think his mom fucks oh. the Mister Mime. I think. I think that's what happens. Or Professor Oak. You know, I think we're gonna say one of the professors. I didn't. I didn't see well, a Pokemon. Well, I'm thing, not but... to be weird, but like the Mister Mime lives in the house, and you could just like I don't. I mean, she's 
Like a, Ew! Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? But, like, Professor Oak is definitely trying to bone. You know what I'm saying? They call him Professor Oak because he's trying to give her that wood. <laughs> why? Like, why'd you have to cut me off like why? that? Why? Okay, cut off podcast my is over. All right, thank you guys <laughs> so much for watching, and thanks to everyone who tuned in. Please follow us on social. Hang out with us next week for... um. Thanksgiving special show and everything else. Otherwise, enjoy your week and stay uh, positive, and uh, we will talk to you guys soon. Bye. Bye.